On today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, we'll be bringing in one of the hosts of Locked On Montreal Canadiens, Scott Matla, to discuss the offseason that was for the Montreal Canadiens getting the number one overall pick and some of the moves that they made, bringing in some other players who might have underachieved elsewhere who might be able to achieve in Montreal. And of course, we're going to discuss the status of Carey Price and where the Montreal Canadiens could finish this season. All on today's episode of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On Montreal Canadiens podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and Locked On Canadiens podcast your first listen of the day. Let me introduce myself. My name is Armando Velez. I'm the host of Locked On Panthers, and you can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. And very grateful to have one of the co-hosts of Locked On Canadians, Scott Matlas. Scott, thank you for doing this crossover with me. Thanks for having me. I'm always happy to, you know, talk shop, talk Canadians and everything, especially as we've reached the point of summer where nothing is going on in the NHL world right now. Which gives us an opportunity to also talk about our teams and, you know, get a little bit of go behind enemy lines a little bit. But also for the the Panthers feed, don't forget to also follow his uh, co-host on Twitter as well at the active stick, Laura Saba and Scott himself on Twitter at Scott Matla. So let's get right into it, Scott. I want to address with the probably the hardest question um, in relation to the Montreal Canadiens. And it's really about the status of Carey Price. A few weeks ago, it said that uh, Carey Price, there's chances that he might not play uh, this season at all. But I just want to ask you, Scott, is there a possibility that we might ever see Carey Price suit up for the Canadians ever again? So with that report, the thing is, it's not that he won't play this year. He's not going to play this year unless he has knee surgery. And even then, it's a, uh, a long shot that he would play this year. But surgery would likely allow him to play next year beyond that. If he doesn't get the surgery, though, it's very likely that his career is at an end. His rehab and the platelet injections he's been doing have gotten him this far, but it is not good enough to be fully healthy to play. And at that point, Carey Price is going on LTIR. Kent Hughes has said as much. Carey Price hasn't spoken publicly about this. He's always been a very private person, and he's probably taking his time with this assessing uh, his situation with his wife and how it impacts them, their kids. They have three kids, obviously. They just got back to Montreal for school. Uh, and I imagine we'll hear soon whether or not he's going to get the surgery or if he's going to elect to kind of just gracefully, you know, go on LTIR and they'll figure it out from there at some point. But his career hasn't officially ended yet, but it's looking more and more likely by the day that the last game Carey Price played was ironically against the Florida Panthers in their last game of the season. <laughs> it's funny for the Panthers. They 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 scored a lot of goals, and there was a chance of we want 10 the whole season, but only for the one opponent to have – the one game for a, <laughs> a team to score 10 goals was that very last game of the season, game 82 of, of the of the 2021-2022 season. 
cr crazy how how things work but um shifting gears a little bit is a little bit of the approach for the montreal canadians of course is gonna this is perceived as a a rebuild of something that's going to take a few years of course a lot of turnover happened from that team that made it to the Stanley Cup final. And I remember just going back to our crossover last year, the expectations with was a fourth or fifth place finish in the division. And of course the wheels fell off for the, the team. Marty St. Louis comes into the, in, into the mix for uh, the, the Canadians, but they also made a very interesting trade and something that was a very low risk, high reward kind of trade in acquiring Kirby doc from the, Chicago Blackhawks and for the for the Panther for the Panthers feed um the way they got Kirby Doc was training Alexander Romanov getting a first round pick out of that and then using that as ammunition to get Kirby Doc and I see it as a Sam Bennett situation possibly of someone that didn't work out here someone who was underdeveloped struggle with injuries and then coming into a new situation uh in Montreal uh tell uh, tell the listeners of Locked On Panthers of uh, what the expectation is for Kirby Doc and how uh, possibly exciting this could be um, adding him on to the mix it, the whole offseason has been Kent Hughes and his front office putting their own stamp on this team and they wanted another center behind Nick Suzuki Christian Dvorak ha was very good under Martin St. Louis at 17 points in 22 games after being injured uh, on a blindside hit way earlier in the season but they needed something more down the middle. And they didn't have a young guy really ready to take that next step yet. They have plenty of guys in the pipeline, but none that are ready to make that jump to being a 2-3-C in the NHL. Jake Evans is a fine fourth-line center. Kirby Doc, which had apparently just fallen out of favor in Chicago with how they want to do their rebuild and this and that, was there. And I believe that, they, that they're going to work this out here, that I don't need him to be a 90-point center or anything like that. I don't think he's going to explode and hit Nick Suzuki levels, but I think he's going to be a really solid B-level contributor for this team here. And just their whole process through when there. I was in the building at the draft when they announced this trade, and it was... Yet it was happening in the middle of Yuroslav Kovsky's introductory press conference, too, that this happened. So it's just chaos. No one saw this coming. And he's 21 years old, and he's going to play behind Nick Suzuki now in this lineup. It's not going to be an easy path to getting back to where they want to, but you can see them laying all these stepping stones. And Kirby Doc is a big part of that, I think, is that if he can become a 45, 50-point center there, eat up some defensive minutes or secondary offensive minutes and gives their younger guys a chance to hit their next level and their milestones without rushing them. The Canadians are, are laughing going forward here. It's, and the thing about it is they've invested so much in player development that they have a plan for what they need. They didn't just trade for this guy to go, ah, well fix it. And you're on your own. They're doing this now with a plan that, Hey, we're going to work on his skating a little bit. We want to work on, rehabbing his wrist and his shooting angles to get the most out of where he can be right now. And it get, it's given a lot of Canadians fans. Uh, uh, I don't want to say hope because that feels a little bit cheesy, but it's given them a reason to believe in what this rebuild plan is because it's been transparent. There's going to be short-term pain and hopefully for long-term game. And Curry doc is just part of that. I guess the word is uh, the words are a sense of direction for the Canadians in, in that sense. And also not only acquiring Kirby Doc, but acquiring also former Florida Panther Mike Matheson didn't work out here. Um, what, last year, just 
was playing top um top um deep pairing minutes with Chris Letang in Pittsburgh. So he he's kind of developed into kind of a, a top pairing um top pairing defenseman. And and of course there's rumors all last year about trading Jeff Petrie and finally got it finally got it done and um, bringing in um Mike Matheson into the mix here. But I of course going back to uh Yaroslavkovsky, uh it was rumored for so many months about Shane Wright being the undisputed number one overall pick and then his stock uh, falling down. Uh, and now that I, I saw that he signed his ELC and, but ed, ed, anything on day, um, I looked at daily faceoff and it doesn't project them as being in the opening night lineup. Um, what do you think are the chances that Slavkovsky uh, makes it in the opening night roster for uh, Montreal? I, and I don't want to panic Canadians fans. Lauren, I've tried to, uh, you know, say this here. There's a very good chance that Yuras Lefkowski is starting the season with the Laval Rocket, and that is not a skill thing. That is that the Canadians have 7 million wingers on the roster right now. And yeah, training camp is coming up. There's still moves to be made, players to be moved around, players to be bought out, potentially this or that. I imagine him... Instead of them going, ah, well, the only spot we have open is the fourth line and he's going to play nine minutes a night. They're going to put him in the AHL where he's going to play on the top line with a veteran like Mitchell Stevens and Raphael Harvey Pinard and play 18 to 21 minutes a night, depending on power play time, and give him that opportunity. And then once they move out some of these other pieces, the Mike Hoffmans, the Yoel Armias, that maybe aren't part of the long-term plan for the Canadians that they go, okay, we have the space now in a role that we think will fit him better. Now let's bring him up and see what we've got. And because if you stick him in the lineup and he's not ready, you don't want to hamper the development that he could be having. And I think the AHL is a good step. He's going to be at the rookie showcase. Slavkovsky is going to get a ton of time in the preseason to show what he's got. He won't, It's not that he won't be given the opportunity I think there's just a little bit of patience needed with this. He's going to season a little bit in the AHL, similar to kind of what Detroit has done with Philip Zadina. And when he's ready or the spot is there, he's coming right up and he's going to be one of those first call-ups. He's got the, he's got the size and the tenacity for it. It's can he think the game is a skating up to par where it needs to be. He can be a brute on the ice, but he's got to learn to pick and choose his spots here a little bit. I'm very interested to see, his development because he's such an intriguing player, but I don't think he's going to crack the opening night lineup unless some bodies are moved out. And right now it's been real quiet on the trade front, which either means everything's about to happen or everything is cooled off until teams report to training camp. This guy's injured. This guy's not ready. This guy's not healthy. And the Habs are kind of in a holding pattern until that point. Mm-hmm. Best way to describe that when you say a whole bunch of wingers is a lot, a little bit of a logjam, and sometimes it requires expiring contracts as well or trading some pieces out in order for that to happen. But we're going to transition over to segment number two where Scott is going to put me on the floor talking about the Florida Panthers and, and all that. But first, we're, we're, we have a message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. Not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, 
get a DUI. So we are here. It is Lockdown Panthers, Armando Velez. Go follow him at MandoMan12 on Twitter. Myself at Scott Mella from Lockdown Canadians. And we talked about what some of the expectations are, the Habs offseason so far. Armando, my big question for you is the Florida Panthers loaded up big for the playoffs last year, had this incredible record-breaking offensive juggernaut season, and then they hit the playoffs and everything hit the brakes. They traded a ton of draft capital for guys like Claude Giroux, for Ben Sherratt. How does this team bounce back from what is and what should be likely a disappointing exit from the playoffs to try and, you know, capture division title and make noise in the playoffs this year and not have it be a, a one-off kind of situation? There is no sugarcoating that it was disappointing. And, of course, scoring three goals in four games, um, regardless of who you're facing, is not acceptable for the, for for this team, and of course, r- record um, breaking uh, scoring from the last twenty five years. The last team to score at the pace of the Florida Panthers did was the nineteen ninety six Pittsburgh Penguins, and it, it it's just really the power play that just really uh, that really took a different direction. I mean, it finished top five in the regular season, and then in the playoffs, it it was just non-existent. The biggest problem, the biggest question going into the playoffs was goaltending for the for the Panthers, but that was the least of the Panthers' problems. Uh, even even though Bobrovsky has a big cap hit, uh, the, he was the least of their issues. And really, it just it just comes down to the fact that all those moves that they made in the trade deadline this season. You you mentioned the names Claude Drew, Ben Sherratt, Um, Those those were always bonuses for the Panthers, and of course. It hurts a little bit knowing that you gave up uh, two first-round picks for rentals that are no longer with the organization. But get bringing in a Matthew Kachuk and trading a, away a Jonathan Huberto and a Mackenzie Weaker, trading away a first-round pick this time around along with it doesn't hurt as much knowing that you're going to get eight years of Matthew Kachuk. It hurts losing Claude Drew and Ben Schrott, um only playing like half a – not even half a season, like 20-some-odd regular season games. So – those were so th- I'm expecting the trade deadline when they do get there that it's going to be a more conservative approach for the Panthers. It's not going to be as aggressive as, as first round picks. So this is a team. This is a year for the Panthers to kind of experiment with their new what they call a unicorn in Matthew Kachuk. And of course, there's a new coach in the mix in Paul Maurice. But this is more than just about ne- this upcoming season. The Panthers window, if the, even if they were to extend Huberto and Uyghur, their window was going to be at least one to two years. This extends it by maybe like four or five years for the for the Panthers. And they got a little younger. And, and a guy who's not afraid to get in the dirty areas in Matthew Kachuk. And um, what, what the Panthers were missing was that guy to get up right in the middle. And l- listen, Vasilevsky is the greatest goalie in, on, in, in the NHL right now. But the Panthers didn't even challenge him. The, if you look at every single game that the Panthers and Lightning played, the the lightning players put their bodies on the line every single block shot that you've seen you you, you see them slow getting up you see uh stamp goes going to the bench going through the tunnel coming back out that's what the panthers um the panthers did not replicate what what the tampa bay lightning were, were doing and that's really what caused the the panthers to like not even challenge a, a vasileski I'm actually glad you mentioned the coaching because I completely forgot that they had also let Andrew Burnett go for 
whatever reason. And I look at the guy they brought in, they brought in Paul Maurice. And then I look at one of his assistant coaches who oversaw the Habs AHL affiliate for six years. It was disastrous in that time. Is there some concern with having given up an unprotected first in this upcoming draft in the Ben Chirot trade, potentially downgrading on the coaching staff? And then Sergei Bobrovsky is obviously another year older. Huberdo, Uyghur are gone. Yes, Matthew Kachuk is incredible. Do you worry that too much has been taken out and not enough has gone back in and that might hamper the way this team usually runs? Maybe in the short term, yes. Um, but there's going to be a little bit of growing pains in, in, in regard to that because Paul Maurice's coaching style is a little different based on, you know, he does have a reputation of over, overworking some of his top guys. I mean, really, one thing that was consistent last year was Sam Reinhart being on the third line uh, with Anton Lundell and Mason Marchment. Of course, Mason Marchment's gone. Um, and Matthew Kachuk was also playing not in his natural position last year in Calgary on the right wing. He's used to the left wing. Is 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 it going to be a situation where he's going to be inserted on that top line on the right wing uh, while Rudolph Balsers is on uh, line number two? Or or is it going to be an opportunity for it to be more spread out be, um, and Paul Maurice not overwhelming uh, the top six? Uh, of course, he has a ton of experience. I mean, yeah, we hear most regulation losses in, in NHL history, but of course you get there by coaching so many years and, and, and though it's been a while since he's made the Stanley cup final about 20 years, but it's going to really, I want to really judge the Panthers really by the first 10 games of the season to see a little bit of a sense in direction, because I do believe that there, there is going to be, there's going to be a little bit of getting used to bringing in Matthew Kachuk, but um, everything that I see from Kachuk, um, he it's it's an exciting time for him to 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 come to the Panthers. He he's, he always said that he 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 wanted to be here. So it, it's great that um, and I even recorded an episode right before the trade saying the fact that he wanted to that he put Florida as his list to come here. I said that the trade was I didn't think it was gonna it was realistic, but but it just spoke volumes to what the Panthers were were building prior to all of that because even in their 2021 season where where you know you, the Habs were in the north division the the Panthers were in that central division that was a year where the Panthers were expected around a bubble playoff team and then it finished second so it's been a it's been it's been a upward trajectory for the Panthers record wise for the Panthers we actually just got uh over under point totals from bet online 105.5 for the Panthers is their over under after getting 122 last year so Listen, they just got to get into the dance and, and they go from there. Uh, before we transition to our last segment, I guess my question is, do you think have having a team that isn't dominant all regular season but still makes the playoff, take some of the pressure off and maybe eliminates what might have been the yips or whatever it might have been in the playoffs last year? Like the Habs made the playoffs two years ago with no expectations and made it to the Stanley Cup final. Do you think that having a lowered expectation takes some of the weight off the shoulders of a team that isn't typically in the main hockey spotlight because of the way hockey is as a whole? Or is it just going to be, it was a freak kind of thing and they'll come back stronger this year, regardless if they finish first in the division or are the last wild card team in? I think the, I think, I don't think they'll win the division. I think it'll be, they'll be somewhere in the two or three around there for the, for, and, but and we'll expand that more in the in segment number three. But I think I think you're right. The pressure will be off the off the Panthers for 
for if they were to to finish around like 100 100 105 points and you know it, it's it's knowing that the majority a good portion of this team is back from what was last season all their trade all they all the guys that they got from the trade deadline last year i i saw them more as bonuses uh for the team and of course a, a majority of, of like i said a majority of the players are still there of course huberto's a big loss mackenzie Weger's a big loss as well but just the just the fact that they got that experience there and they have a little bit they know a little bit of what it feels like now to win a round too that's i don't think many people are actually talking about that they now have that taste in their mouth and they know what it takes to win around now it's about really growing from there and seeing okay we, we we experienced this last year now it's go time and 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 when whenever whenever the stanley cup playoffs start you know ne- you never know who who can make that run but it we're going to transition over to segment number three where we're going to talk about futures of these teams and re- we're going to talk about really where where we think that each team will finish. We're going to talk about that next here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and Locked On Canadians. All right, Scott, let's talk about, about both of these teams and, and finishes. I spoke a little bit about how I believe those finish around the, the second or third place uh, part of the division, not getting a wild card spot. Um, but the, it's very, I'm very curious because... Of course, it's a it's a it's another year of, of rebuilding. Um, and the power rankings had Montreal as the last team um, as part of our locked on power rankings. And of course, with getting the first overall pick uh, this past year, and with the new lottery rules of them not being able to get another uh, uh, number one overall pick next year, what would you say? would be an encouraging season for the Montreal Canadiens this coming season as they continue to build back up? I I think the biggest thing is, is just having a sense of what this team is. Under Dominique Ducharme, it was just kind of this amorphous mess of just, you know, sadness where there's no structure. No one seems to know what to do. It was up to like Nick Suzuki to do something amazing every night and Jake Allen to stand on his head to win games. And that eventually just came down to it's just not working. Power play doesn't work. Penalty kill doesn't work. This under Martin St. Louis, they played with a purpose. It, it didn't always go well. Admittedly, they traded a bunch of their actual good assets like a good GM should under Kent Hughes to recoup draft picks. My thought is I want to see progress from where they were at last year. Under Martin St. Louis, they played well under a new coach. They played with some passion. They didn't look lifeless in any game. They looked overmatched a lot, which they should have. I still think they're likely going to be one of the bottom teams in the Atlantic. They're going to finish 7th or 8th. I don't see any way around it the way the roster's built, especially since they're going to be selling assets again this year. I don't think they will be the worst team in the NHL. Chicago's going to be far and away more terrible and there's a list of other teams that could easily be in there the sharks sorry jd i love you buddy but philly philly yeah like there's a even like a team like the islanders who see should be solid could also fall off the face of the earth the habs just need to show improvement on what they were doing and they got to make space for the young guys then they have guys in the ahl who are knocking on the door and they need to kind of get to that next level of the rebuild here is they got to continue to cut off that dead weight 
some of these guys another year's off their contract makes them a little bit more palatable to take at a deadline as a longer term rental or as a one year rental and make that work. Carey Price is going on LTIR, so he's going to be cap relief. Paul Byron is starting the season on LTIR. That's cap relief. You're going to have Sean Monahan, who you can likely flip, Evgeny Dodonov, who you can likely flip. Let these guys play, trade them for picks, and continue that process. Then get your Slavkovsky in there. Get your Caden Gooley's in there. Get your Arbor Jack eyes, the ice time, and see where you can go from there. It's all about opportunities. I don't need them to be good. I need them to look like they're a hockey team that gives a crap again. Under Dominique Ducharme, they were bad, and they were terrible to watch. You could be bad, but don't be uninteresting. Being both is the worst possible thing. At the end of the year, I didn't dread watching Habs games. Yes, I know they're going to lose, but I know Caulfield and Suzuki are going to play well. I want to see some of these young guys like a Jordan Harris play. I want to see what Rem Pitlick can do tonight. And they have a lineup that can do that. They might be bad. They might not always score a ton. But I know with Martin St. Louis behind the bench, I'm going to see interesting, watchable hockey again. And I hope he can continue to improve in his sophomore year behind the bench a little bit. And I think he will. I don't think they're going to, you know, finish more than like seventh worst in the league or anything like that. But just make that progress getting back to being a respectable team, you know. You might lose, but don't make it easy for other teams. Don't just roll over. Philadelphia is going to roll over and die 45 times this season, if not more. They're going to be bad. I don't want to see the Habs just roll over without a fight. You know, make it make teams struggle for it and, you know, put some of that respect back on your team name there. Mm. And of course, Martin St. Louis being there, like lit a little fire under them once he once he got there. It was like a newfound energy for the Canadians. And something I talked a little bit about during the trade deadline um, last season is about how with the state of the NHL and of course the flat cap, how teams who are selling can really take this opportunity to manipulate the buyers and getting what, what they want. And of course Montreal and Florida had a trade for Ben Sherratt getting a first round pick. Now looking back at that trade, maybe not the best trade for the Panthers. Now um, what, what do you think of another opportunity for, another first round pick for for the uh Mon- Montreal Canadiens and of course that that trade that they made for Sean Monahan has whole lot of conditions that are very complicated when you when you read the conditions of that trade and possibility that it could be Florida's pick that could be sent to Montreal in 2025 but what do you think of the opportunity for Kent Hughes to continue to use that opportunity to manipulate the system based on based on getting more first round picks. And of course, teams using LTIR space in order to recruit uh, picks as far as like three-way swaps. What do you think about that? I, I look at it this way is that Ken Hughes got a first for Ben Sherratt in this upcoming draft. So that gives him two, very likely one in the top 10, one anywhere from 16 to 32 at this point, unless Florida, the wheels fall off, which we're not expecting. And then he's got Evgeny Dodonov and Sean Monahan on expiring contracts going into the trade deadline this year. And I look at those guys and I go, if they're playing well, not superstar, not, you know, having an all-star kind of season, but if Sean Monahan has put up 12 goals and is playing well and staying healthy, that's another prospect in a pick coming back to you. If Evgeny Dodonov, who can play anywhere in your lineup, is playing well, can prove that he's a good middle six guy, that's another pick and a prospect coming back. And Kent Hughes is going to take that. I do not anticipate either one of those guys being on this team after the deadline because it wouldn't make 
sense with everything else Kent Hughes has done. Then you throw in names like Christian Dvorak. You have your Mike Hoffman's and all that. That if Martin St. Louis gets this team playing well with the effort and these guys are producing, Kent Hughes is going to be rolling in draft picks. And then there's Jake Allen, who is on an expiring deal. The Canadians have Caden Primo in the AHL, who is someone they want to be their NHL guy sooner rather than later. A guy like Jake Allen is always going to be in demand. He doesn't have to be a starter, but he's a really good 1B goaltender for whoever you have. And we look at teams like the Oilers and we look at teams even like a Florida. They want, you know, something like that. Teams who are undone by bad goaltending are going to look at Jake Allen and go, that's a guy we need down the stretch to keep our guys there. By the time this season is over, Kent Hughes might have a have twin, twin first round picks, not only in the 2022 draft, the 2023 draft, potentially 2024, 2025. Everything just makes sense that he's going to load up on these and he's everything he's done is proven that that's what he wants to do. He wants to have as many cracks at that first round egg as he can get. And given the way they've handled this first draft so far, I'm all for it. It hurts to lose guys, but when you look at what's coming back in the plan and process here, it, it's, it's, it's fantastic work. And Jeff Gordon being his, you know, EVP of hockey ops, he did this in New York. They know exactly what they're doing. So I am all in and trusting them on that. And more opportunities to move up and down and to draft and re, uh, recoup picks and trade and make even a, even a trade up that's even like 20 plus spots up because you've gained all those assets for somebody that that Montreal likes. So that it, you give yourself so many opportunities in, in getting the right players in your system and just just um jake allen you you talked about a possibly uh trading him a good 1b goalie i mean we we saw what happened with georgiev in in new york with with when sisterkin was just dominating um and of course winning a vesna trophy and seeing hey there's not going to be room for georgiev so trade trade him to colorado who's going to get him on a cheaper deal um than they would if they re-signed darcy kemper so a good opportunity but um for for an, a, another team to, t- to take someone on as, as they help their, their goalie tandem for a, like a one B one, a one B situation. So uh, it, it just, it just looks to be just great asset management from Kent Hughes and company. And of course, an opportunity for growth with Marty St. Louis, Louis in the mix, but Scott, I want to thank you so much for doing this crossover edition with me on for the locked on Florida Panthers podcast and locked on Canadians. Uh, tell everybody where not only tell everybody where they can find you, but tell everybody the so the latest challenge that you will be doing for Locked On Canadians. Uh, so first, uh, we are at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. You can follow my co-host at The Active Stick, myself at Scott Matla. Uh, Friday night on the Locked On Canadians YouTube channel at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I lost a bet with Julian McKenzie of The Athletic and the Steve Dangle Podcast Network about Patrice Bergeron. I will be doing the Hot Ones Gauntlet, uh, and we're doing a live AMA so our fans and everyone else in the hockey world can watch me suffer eating hot chicken wings and answering all sorts of questions for everybody. Um, I am a man of my word. This is not my first food challenge. We've done Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew, disgusting McDonald's burgers, everything else. This is the uh, this is the first one that has me a little bit worried. So that will be Friday on our YouTube channel. We will be doing a live stream of that. Um so tune in and watch me suffer uh, massively. And um, 
for for people who are in the on the South Florida feed, they're very familiar with this place called Tijuana Flats, the hot bar. So we gotta send we gotta introduce you to a little bit of Tijuana Flats out here and, and all the hot sauces that they have. So but um for the people on my feed, make sure to tune into Locked On Canadians and see all the food challenges that Scott Matla um will be doing and ha- has done in the past because he's done quite a few of them. But Scott, thank you so much for doing this crossover with me and for, for once again, you guys can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Thank you once again, Scott, and I'll see you next time. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to listen to Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Steel Roden, where they'll be covering all the offseason activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listener of the day. And for your second listener of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Start my mother bless with Scott Metla. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're your team. Every day. <laughs>